We can't curse on this. Okay. Like zero. Uh, I got it. No cursing. No cursing. So it's not like that radio show that you were on? What radio show? W-I-U-X. Oh, that was, that was just a hobby. That wasn't for real. Oh, this is for real. I, I love it. This is for real. Perfect. This is episode one of the weekly download. Not the weekly download. The weekly download already exists. This is just weekly download. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. yeah. So the top download. The top download for this week is Google+. Google+, Plus. Google Plus is pretty awesome. It's got a lot of cool features. Kind of reminds me of Twitter and Facebook put together in some ways. I think that that's fairly accurate. I think that it's got some growing pains that we'll probably discuss today. Well, I mean, growing pains is one thing, but not letting anyone in to let it grow is something completely different, right? So invite-only service. You're logging in, and you see a blank news feed screen. You find your friends who are basically blog nerds and the like, and then you have a party? I, I mean, I guess, but hey... It worked for Gmail. If you recall, back in the day, Gmail was invite-only, and I mean, look at how big it is now. I mean, I know it's a little different. I'm sure that's where you're gonna, what you're going to say. Gmail is email. Everyone knows how to use email. Everyone knows how to use an email application. But when it comes to Google+, they're kind of assuming that people are coming from Facebook, right? Because Facebook has a profile. This has a profile. Facebook has a wall. This has a wall. So does Twitter, by the way. And then... You've got your profile, which you have to go in and edit, which is just clicking and editing, but it doesn't necessarily say, hey, you should edit this. They kind of assume that you're just coming coming along. I guess that's fair. I mean, I think it's perfect that you've now had a few days' experience with Google+, Plus, and I like literally registered five minutes before we started the show. Well, when you talk about a few days, so when the Google Plus invite bonanza happened about a week ago, I would say, I happened to be on Lifehacker at the time, so I just opened a thread went in there and asked for in the comments, hey, could you send me a Google Plus invite? And I think it was uh, Adam, like one of the admins there, sends me a Google Plus invite. I check it out. It ends up being underwhelming because then I go to my email and it says, learn more about Google Plus. And so I click on that link and nothing. It says, we're over capacity. Come back later. Wow. I keep doing this for like three days and it still doesn't happen. So finally I beg Twitter... For another invite. I saw regularly. I get, <laughs> I get one from a friend. And then it works all of a sudden. So tell me, Google, why does it work sometimes? Why does it not work some other times? How come I have an, an invite that expires? That's nonsense. I mean, that is kind of crazy. I think what bothers me the most is the Google Apps users seem to be out, out of the loop for now. I have a Google Apps account. And I couldn't use my Google Apps account with it. And I couldn't even use my Indiana University account that also uses Google Apps. So I was stuck using a different email address entirely that I don't even use that much I mean, anymore. you got to wait for some progression, right? Like, it's in beta. Yeah, but it's Google Apps. Like, they own the product. I think Google has enough servers and enough manpower to come out with something that's not invite-only, that's not just beta. Like, I think beta has become sort of a deprecated term. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's kind of like anything can be in beta, and it basically means we're allowed to make mistakes, like it or not. I guess that's true. I mean, going back to Gmail, and yeah, I know it's just email, but that was in beta for what, four years, five years, something crazy like that? A long time. Probably even longer. Probably since Google was around. I mean, how long has email been around where Google's been around? 
I guess that's true. I think I signed up for a Gmail account in like 2005, 2004, and I know it had been around since before that. Exactly. But it has changed a bit. Did you change your uh, look of Google? I, I have, yeah. Yeah. Looks pretty sleek. Yeah, I, I kind of like it. The, the, I love the big red compose your email button. Yeah. That's great design. Yeah. I use Google Apps mostly now because I like to use my own domain. And the problem is that I never seem to like get any of these cool features of just Gmail. We use Google Apps, right? Right. On the site. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, our email is contact at weeklydownload.com. So if you have anything to say about our podcast, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, shoot us an email. We're pretty uh, responsive. We're kind of new, so we don't have that fan base yet. Hopefully you guys will be fans. So certainly send us an email. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and then we're also on Twitter, Weekly D. Somebody took Weekly Download, so I had to settle. And we're on Facebook, too, Weekly Download. So we've answered the social media call, I think. And, of course, there's our website, weeklydownload.com. And you'll find a lot of our links, a lot of our blog posts, mainly links. We like to link to other people, share the wealth. It's true. So you'll find a lot of our stories that we find interesting. We don't really necessarily want to repeat the news, so we'll take a look at it, analyze it a bit for you, kind of understand it, and then you can uh, make your own opinion. Just like right now, we're analyzing Google+. Plus. So uh, personally, I enjoy... The look, the UI work is great. Uh, gotta love circles. Gotta love the ability to drop people in. It's less clumsy than Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of looking at it right now as, as we're, we're in this, because as I said, I registered about five minutes before we, got, before we got here, so I'm hoping that in the next few days I can learn a little bit more about Google+. Um, I, I think that it has potential. A couple of people that I work with have said, I'm dropping Facebook entirely. Others have said, I don't like Google Plus at all. So Dropping Facebook entirely? I, I feel like it's too soon for that. Way too soon. Why do people think that Facebook is like the direct competitor? I mean, this is something that I kind of touched on in the blog. Um, basically, you've got Facebook, which is made to share things with your friends. You've got Google+, Plus, which is made to share things with your friends as well, but it also seems like a forum for discussion, especially at the front screen. You've got a huge ability to plus one anybody who's on your stream, and then you have the ability to comment on those plus one comments. I think the plus ones have to do with your friends, but I don't have any friends because all of my friends haven't been invited yet. But uh, supposedly that's the concept. So you've got Google+, Plus, which does that, and then you've got Twitter, which is a short version of a forum of discussion, but it's not really discussion-based. It's not very good at conversations, right? Right. I mean, I've tried it. It just gets messy really fast. It's a small little conversation button that you click, and then you see your kind of series on the right, or if you have an app, the same effect. And uh, it doesn't seem very... It doesn't allow for conversations like Facebook and Google Plus does. So these are three different services, and yet the media... um, and including some blogs out there who I really enjoy reading, seem to just make this direct comparison, this direct competition so transient in the services. But I don't see that the way they do. I mean, like I said, I haven't had enough time to play with it, and I have noticed that almost everywhere I've been reading says, yeah, it's a direct competitor to Facebook. And like, like you said, I just don't understand 
I don't understand that because I feel like it is a hybrid between all of them that are out right now, which I think is certainly interesting, which to some extent, I guess, does make it a competitor, but certainly makes it a little bit different than everything. I don't understand. The competition word is definitely not the word word. I think the word that I used was answer. So an answer, a way to say, yeah, you guys are on Facebook, but what about the next thing? What about the thing that's a service that we need every day, like Facebook, like your cell phone, other things that we just take for granted because they're, they've been there and they persist in our lives. They're weaved in the fabricated of our lives. So can Google Plus be that? I mean, I guess only time will tell. As, as crazy as that sounds, like people make these predictions on these blogs and podcasts all the time and three quarters of the time it ends up not being the way they say it. Well, what made Facebook so great what makes it the go-to place what makes it the go-to place that google plus will never have i I, that's an excellent question i think the problem with that i think that as facebook continues to get more and more popular i hear a lot of my friends saying well everyone's on facebook now and they have all this apps and all this junk and i think that almost that's part of the problem as these places get bigger people start to push them away or say eh, it's too much i don't know if you would agree with that at all i think eh, maybe Maybe. I think Google Plus, did you see the story about games being on Google Plus? I I did see that today. So that seems like the logical expansion, and if that's the case, then we have the same clutter problem. Absolutely. So I think when Facebook first kicked off, a lot of the pull, especially if you watch the movie and you believe the books that you read, was the ability to know inside out everyone about a person. And people were willing to post that stuff. Now I think privacy has become a way bigger deal. People are worried about where their stuff is. And Google Plus comes and says, all your stuff belongs to you. All your information belongs to you, and you don't have to worry about it. If you want to delete it from our servers, go right ahead. Now, obviously, there's some trust there. But in general, I'd have to agree with that premise. But is that enough to defect people? Well, this is what I was going to say, though. And I was going to actually bring this point up to you. Google has gotten such a bad rap at times because the media tries to hound them about, oh, your searches aren't safe, or oh, they're tracking everything. Do you think that's going to be a concern? Like, how do they get over that hump that we track all your searches and we're worried and come join our service anyway? Yeah, obviously they have the sort of big brother look at things, and uh, <clears throat> they definitely seem to be the one source of all your information on the internet all of the time. With that being said, if you come out and be very transparent about everything you do and you say it in plain language, I think that is a positive step as opposed to Facebook that comes out and says, we're going to make changes whenever we feel like it. And when we make changes and you don't like them, sure, we'll revert them, but then we'll make other changes. And then we'll make our privacy settings junk and we can't even read it. I think that the issue with Facebook and when they really took a dive was when I saw a news story like on, on national television, so more people probably saw it than just us who read tech blogs all the time, about uh, privacy settings and how you basically had no privacy settings when it came to Facebook. And I mean, I don't even know how true those ended up being, but I, I think that a lot of people were pretty outraged about it. Well, it's just like right now with Google+, Plus, it seems to be the way to sort your friends. But in Facebook, that does exist. There is an ability to make lists and to make groups now, too. In fact, groups has been around for a few months. Yeah, I think a while. 
and it's it works pretty well. I don't think it's clunky to talk with people within groups. I think it was interesting the whole you should opt out if you don't want to be in group rather than opt in. It was a different way of approaching things, but it certainly increased the adoption. Uh, the other day on Facebook's uh, keynote, they said 50% of people on Facebook are in a group. But that obviously has to do with the fact that as soon as somebody invites you, you're, you're in. automatically in. Yeah. Exactly. So that seems to be a strong way to pick up your numbers, and that's another way that Google could have fixed their adoption problem, the sort of growing pains, but then they would blame their servers. So it seems to go in a large circle, and at the end of the day, we're just going to have to, I guess, forgive Google for their faults. I, I would say that's accurate. So what do, you, what do you think? Do you think that a lot of these problems really are the Google servers, like with this overcapacity and things like that, or do you think they're worried about what we've been talking about? Or It, it probably has to do with not necessarily server load, but more understanding how the service would come out. I think it was one of those experiments that they just wanted to try a small sample size and gather some data so they could understand how to tweak the service a little later. And I buy that. And I also buy a theory that I was reading about. I can't remember where I read this, but uh, I read about small world networking. Do you know what small world networking I don't. is? So basically, one node in a network shares a node with another node, and that node shares with another node, and all three of those nodes are shared with each other. And that sort of network comes out when you use Google Plus, because Google Plus is an invitation-only service such that when you invite your friends, they're all part of your network right away. Yeah. And all of those friends are aware that your friends are online, and usually they will network with each other. So that allows Google Plus to actually be prevalent because then you can actually share things instantly. You don't have to worry about not having a friend because you'll have friends because you invite Automatically, them. yeah. So, and then you can also be friends with the big people like Scobalizer or, you know, John Gruber or anybody else or maybe the president's on there. I don't even know if he's on there. He just did his first tweet, so I doubt he's even uh, on there. Yeah, I'm sure he's not on Google Plus yet. And, um, what I don't get is, I mean, I see your point about, yeah, I don't think it was server overload and I think that I, they knew what they were doing, but it's Google. Like, they should have known that people would have been all over it and, and immediately want to jump on it because, I mean, the services are so popular. Well, when you look at uh, Google Plus historically, they haven't been very good at social networking, have they? So no. why would anybody necessarily want to jump on it? You've got Wave and Pl Buzz, which is arguably their first attempt, and that failed miserably. In fact, you know, Eric Schmidt, you know, famously said, we missed the friend thing. If, if he admits that and then comes out with a service, do you really think that people like you and me who know this, who read this stuff every day, would be excited about something? I would be excited about it just as a tech enthusiast, but as a normal person, I just don't see the value add. I don't see the value add. But so how do you think that it how do you think this happened? And like I mean, I I'll admit that I didn't much care for Google Wave or Google Bus or even attempt to, to try it ever. And Google Plus I've been like, yeah, I want an invite, I want an invite. I've been trying on a daily basis to get an invite. I think people are growing tired of Facebook. I think people want to see something fresh, a different perspective. And from what better firm than Google, who has typically done very well at its other products, to come out with a product that, yes, this is the definitive answer to Facebook. It's not a competitor. We're not out to compete. This is what I think they should be saying, but they're probably saying we're out to compete. But this is the definitive answer. 
and we're and I know you're tired of Facebook. I know you're tired of privacy being an issue, and I know you're tired of not being able to video chat with your friends. Now, unfortunate to them, with Facebook's announcement of video chatting, it's a different story. But nevertheless, you've got group video chatting right out of the box. Facebook still has to catch up with that. I think that's valid. Do you think then that it's a concern that perhaps the world as a whole has this issue with wanting something fresh every four or five years, and how, do, how does a company ever stay on top? Or do you think that they just won't ever stay on top? Yeah, that's the interesting uh, conundrum. How does a company continue to be great? And a company that has been around for some time has established some, some core competencies or has a core business. How do they keep themselves on the top of the mountain? We are the best. And you look at Apple as that beacon of technology. And Apple has always tried to reinvent themselves over the years. They've always tried to challenge themselves and to do new things. So I think that's one way of doing it. And then you look at Google, the same thing happens with Google. Google's good at search, but what they've baked into search, maps, calendars, email. Constant change. Constant change is what keeps things going. And you've got Facebook, which the core business hasn't really changed. You share things. I think that, yeah, that, that's probably an issue. I mean, how, how does a business like Facebook, where that is their whole point, they have one real stream like that they're going on, just sharing. So That's their core business. Now, how can they possibly you know, make this sort of a more ubiquitous service and also augment their services a bit to be more up and up with the times? And one way to do that is with UI innovation like what Google Plus has done. And to refresh the whole model of thinking like Twitter has done with short microblogging versus long status updates. So maybe Facebook could look into something like that. I think Facebook's done a pretty good job with some of their minor UI tweaks today. But um, they still have a long way to go if they want to stay on top. No service in the history of services have ever stayed on top for as long as Facebook has and Google has. I, yeah, I think that Google has done an excellent job. I mean, and what's interesting is not a whole lot about the Google interface has changed in the sense of Google.com looks a lot today like it did 10 years ago. Like Did you the, notice the font change, though? No, I didn't. The font looks different. Really? It's, it's, a, little, it's a little bolded on the front page. Oh, you're looking at, uh, there you go. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, well, oh you've yeah. Got, you've got this, a background image. And so I forgot should, about this. I, I say this, and they changed that whole like top menu bar now. So. Uh, yeah. Do you yeah. like that black bar? I I, I kind of do, to be honest with you. What do you think of it? It seems too cliche. It seems like everyone's putting some bar up there, some navigation. I always liked Google for the novelty of just being Google. If you're signed out, does that bar exist? I think it does. Uh, it does, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I think that's not unique. That's not very google I, yeah, I guess that's fair. Interestingly enough, I we sort of reverse roles here. Like you were like, yeah, they've changed a little. Now you're like, I like that they never really changed. And I'm like, wow, they they've changed. Well, I mean, they've they've tweaked some things, but I mean, at the core, they're the same, right? What would right. happen if you had a MacBook Pro and all of a sudden they came out with a purple one? Would you buy it? I mean, probably not. Personally. You you probably wouldn't, because at the core, you enjoy the products that they use because of the way they built it, the design, the architecture behind it. That's a lot of reason why people go there, and that's a lot of reason why you see HP and Samsung and a bunch of other brands emulate the aluminum-based model, because people come back to it. So there's a core sort of 
je ne sais quoi, if you will, of a company that needs to remain, but at the same time, there does need to be some evolution. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think that it's always interesting and humorous to see people complain when there is that evolution, though. I mean, you see with Facebook where you get these huge groups that say, well, block Facebook or stop being on Facebook. And I find it ironic that they make these Facebook groups to say, let's not be on Facebook anymore. Right. Yeah. Or, I mean, you've got when Apple releases a new MacBook Pro, you see in these Mac rumors forums or all over the place where it's like, well, we don't want these products anymore because they're hideous or things like that. So it is always interesting to watch people sort of progress and say, eh, actually, change is okay. A little bit of change. A little bit. Yeah. I, I think that's fairly accurate. So much to talk about with Google+. Plus. I know. Like it, just, it sends you every direction. Because it should, right? Exactly. Because it's a network. Yeah. And it's baked into search. I think that's really cool, to be honest with you. And I'm looking at, I'm on Google+, Plus again, and that black bar, I mean, I know you say it's a little cliche, but it is kind of handy to have it up there, because now I can get to my mail, my it's calendars, my handier. documents. I, I think it's just the black, because before it was white. That's fair, yeah. So before it was white, it flushed with the UI. Now it's black. But I think they're going for this neutral sort of theme. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably fair. I, I really like that I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, I'm in my social networking and I can get to my mail and my calendar and my documents and my photos, everything in the same place. Well, then the ideal, and the ideal iteration of Google Plus is to sort of bake Google Plus into the other apps. I mean... The way I see Google Plus being is if someone is in my circle, I can drop a document right to that person, and it sends it via email. And I think that Google probably has done that best so far, so why not? I think Google Plus will do a good job of that. Like, I tried for a little while to use MobileMe and iWork.com, and it was okay, but it was I, I just wasn't for me. And it was I love being able to edit the documents in Google Docs. Yeah, yeah, maybe that will change with iCloud. I mean, we'll see. It's another topic for another day. Another I guess. topic. Yeah. So much to talk about. It's true. Okay, so probably we should move on. I think so. Yeah. Probably. So, with that being said, I mean... So speaking of the cloud... We got Office 365. It officially came out. Have you used it? I, I haven't yet, because there's actually a monthly fee for it. Um, but it, it seems like an interesting service. It's like I was just talking about with Google Docs. It's sort of a rival to Google Docs, hosted in the cloud, so we got plenty of cloud services. And that cloud. Yeah. Wonder what, what if it starts raining, then what? what <laughs> that's, that's, that's good. I like that. Oh, you like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I mean, it's, it's $6 a month, but it's geared towards small businesses. The, uh, the thing is, uh, you can edit your Word documents, your PowerPoint documents, your Excel documents, and you've got calendars, contacts, and it all works through Exchange. It gives you a small Exchange account, basically, for $6 a month. I see. Yeah. I know you said you weren't all that familiar with it yet, so... I looked at it. I, I said, didn't Microsoft do this before? <laughs> didn't, they, didn't they do... They've, they have those commercials to the cloud. Haven't you seen those? Yeah, like with the cloud drive or whatever they call it. Well, that's Amazon's thing. I'm pretty sure that Microsoft has something called like cloud drive as well. They call it the cloud drive? Where is the patent lawsuit? Where is the lawsuit for that? Yeah, the Azure cloud. Azure drive. That's what okay. it is, yeah. I would have never remembered that name. Who came up with that? Who comes up with the names? The Aqua interface. The, it's just silly. I would agree. It's a bunch of A names that are silly. I mean, I can come up with a few A names from Microsoft myself. That's, that's, that's oh, good. No bias. Like no bias. No bias here. Don't want to look like fanboys. We're not fanboys at all. No. So, I mean, I, I'm wondering how well 365 will work out in a sense that... People know and love Microsoft Office. 
I mean, most people love Microsoft Office. I personally, I'm not a fanboy, but I don't like Microsoft Office that much. I I use Microsoft Office all the time. I mean, I work at on a Windows machine at work, and I have to use Office. So at home, when I'm opening up a doc, I want to make sure all of the style sheets and everything's compatible. So I open it up in Office. And yeah, Office is a little clunkier. It's not as elegant as I work in some of the other apps and I'll be interested to see when they start actually using the save features that are available in Lion, if those APIs come out. I think Steve said they would. So when they do, it'll be interesting to see the adoption. Uh, Steve has always famously said that they have a great relationship with Microsoft. How great uh, to have Office 365 ready to go out of the box straight from iCloud or some sort of combination of the two. It's a uh, it's a little questionable. I don't really know how that's going to work out. I yeah, I mean it's one of those things where only time will probably actually tell because I mean with Apple and Microsoft it seems so up in the air sometimes. Like You're sometimes so dubious they, with this they, only they, time can tell. Well, I mean sometimes they do a really good job with these things, and other times it's eh, something's missing. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I like I, I personally just use Google Docs for just about everything now. I occasionally I have pages on my iPad, so I'll use pages at home and pages on the iPad because it's easy to swap them back and forth. And especially since I'm running OS iOS 5, the beta, and I'm running Lion, so I can quickly swap those those documents back and forth with iCloud. It's it's kind of handy. That's pretty handy. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see how how well Office 365 takes off. I know, like I said, it was in beta for a while, but I'm curious to see if it matches up Google Docs at all, and I might pay this for the service for a little while to see how it works out. Do you think that these sort of cloud services may undermine or undercut some of the other cloud storage and transfer storages, like a prime example being Dropbox? Uh, I think that we'll certainly start to see a little bit of issue with that. I personally don't even use Dropbox because I find that Google Plus manages my doc, or Google Docs manages my documents or I mean right now Apple still has that mobile me's um, the iDisk. Yeah, the iDisk. And I'm a little angry that they're getting rid of the iDisk because I use it all the time. Well but that's because it's, it's called something different. It'll still be there. You yeah. get five gigs of storage. Yeah but I mean I get twenty right now. Maybe they'll allow you to reallocate like they do with the iDisk currently. And hopefully. That that's that is the hope, yes. But we'll see what happens. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I I think that Dropbox will continue to exist because people love Dropbox. Like, I love Dropbox. I, I know that I'm in, definitely in the minority in the sense that I don't use it. I use Dropbox like a folder, like it's a folder sitting on my dock, sitting on my desktop. It's simple. It makes sense. Then I have the same. I had that same Dropbox folder at work. I had that same. It just makes sense. It's the. It's the way iCloud. It's in fact that's what Steve says. You know that's. Uh, it's the way iCloud should have worked. You drop something in. It's wherever you are. It's essentially what I do with iDisk, except I have to log in somewhere to to get to it every time. Like I mean, on my Mac, I have the iDisk sitting there, and on my iPad, I have the iDisk sitting there. So I keep all of my documents in the iDisk. So well, I'm but using, then like, what if you days. go to a Windows machine? I can go to. Get our me.com okay, slash so you have to use a clunky web app. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And actually, you can map the iDisk. Yeah, but who knows how to map? Things? I mean, nerds. Yeah, but if we're talking about the masses adopting yeah. these Certainly, cloud services, it seemed very unapple for them to do it this way. I would agree with you. I now I know they're coming out with iCloud services for Windows. I've that's, heard that. Yes, that's what I've heard. So 
hopefully they do make it as easy as dropping things or picking them up or it just working. We'll see. I mean, I've heard some things and some rumors that iCloud may only move things back and forth really easily between iOS devices and it won't even touch the desktops. Oh, I doubt that. I, that that's that's I saw highly like one doubtful. rumor like that. Highly so doubtful. I, I think it would be We'll have foolish. to see when Lion comes out. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Looks. I mean, probably soon. You're running. Yeah, I, I love it. You like it? I, I didn't at first, to be honest with you. I, I said I'm going to post a review soon. I'm still in the process of writing up that review. But I originally, when I started using Lion, hated it, so I reverted back to Snow Leopard. And I thought, ah, I'm going to give this a second shot. Well, what's something I don't know about Lion? Um, I mean, you probably know most things about Lion, but I love the gestures, like, that, and the spaces, and the fact that there are full-screen apps. At first, I didn't like these full-screen apps, but then it became super handy to be fully in a window on things. Though, to be honest with you, at first, it drove me crazy because I was so used to the Mac, where there were tiles, or there were tiles of applications everywhere, and now it's starting to feel a lot more like Windows or an iPad. Do you want it to feel like that? Uh, it took me a little while to get used to, but now I'm like, wow, this is, like I said, really handy. Okay. Um, the one thing that I think is really stupid, and I, I'm curious to see how many people end up using it as a launch pad, like, I just don't see the purpose of it. If, for any of you that don't know, a launch pad is essentially taking the iPad screen or the iPhone screen and putting all the apps in a row and having it be your desktop. I Do just, you even know where your apps are? Do you even know where they're stored? Would you use the launch pad? What I'm asking is, don't when you launch an app, how do you launch an app? I normally just hit the dock. Or To be honest with you, I'm in love with the spotlight. I okay. use it all of the time. See, that's what I think a lot of power users do. They use Silverlight, they use Spotlight, and then I use Alfred. I think Alfred is a fantastic Mac application. I think it's slick, it's easy to use, it's on the Mac App Store. Um, it's very simple, it comes right out of the box, searches quickly, indexes all the time. It's They're a very responsive development team, so when I launch something, it's just a simple command space, type it in. I can Google search from Alfred, I can open a Wikipedia article. It's nice. just very slick. I think, I think uh, the, what was Quicksilver, Quicksilver, that was the, that was the name of the app I was looking for. Quicksilver is very good, but only very good if you're a power user. I think Alfred, right out of the box, handles everybody. I might have to look that up. I've never even heard of it. So Alfred. That was a plug for you guys. So sure. I can give plugs for a lot of people on this show. We'd right. prefer if people paid for them, obviously. But With that being said, I mean, we have sponsorships. That we do have sponsorships. If you head over to weeklydownload.com slash sponsorships, we have a little bit of information there, and if you're interested, you can email us at contact at weeklydownload.com. I mean, it takes resources to keep our podcast running. It takes a lot of resources. We have a really, really nice setup here. Isn't that right? It's true. It's fantastic. But it can't just run by itself. We could use your help. we got one more thing to talk about, don't we? We do. WebOS. WebOS. So, the little boy's grown up. It's true. I, I think that WebOS is, I, I joke all the time and call it the little OS that could. The little OS that could. Do you think it's that decrepit? 
I, I don't even necessarily think it's decrepit. I just, I, I, I think that it's so underdeveloped in the sense that, like, by third-party app developers, I think it has something like a thousand apps or maybe not even that many versus... And Facebook came out with their app for WebOS first. Really? Well, I mean, the HTML5 app. Really? I didn't, I didn't It's know optimized for WebOS, so... They thought everyone thought it was going to be for the iPad. Turns out it was for WebOS. And oh I think yeah, that was that, a, yes, yeah. yeah. And that was a huge, huge move for HP and Facebook. So, I think the uh, when I look at the tablet, and I, I've always loved the OS. I mean, one of the biggest gripes a lot of people have with the iPad and the iPhone is the dock, the expose. Expose doesn't exist, so you I, have to use yeah. this dock where you have no idea what state your app is in. It's just open. And that's a big problem because if unlike live tiles or like that are coming out, and unlike these sort of, I don't know what they call them in the HP world. Uh, I think they call them tiles. The uh, tiles. Yeah, they're still called tiles. So with a tile, you have a live preview. In an Apple device and an iOS device, there is no live preview. Is that a killer feature? I mean, it's been around since the pre came out. I mean, it wasn't live, but those tiles have always been there. And it's something... I think the pre has really suffered, though, given the uh, small screen. Yeah, the clunkiness of the device. I owned the device when it first came out just to try it out. I still had my iPhone, and I found myself hating it. Like, I love the OS. I, I think that WebOS is by far the, the prettiest of all of the mobile operating systems, and certainly the coolest in terms of the things it could do. Oh, but not right out of the box. No, I mean... I think I think the potential is there too, like with the tiles, with the organization, the structure of. It reminds me a little of the Android device. Like if you plug in, if you put in your email address, it knows everything about your device. It knows everything about your contacts, your calendars. It's. I mean, an, an iPhone has finally gotten there too. I would agree with that. I think I enjoy using the iPad, but I've sort of given it up at this point. I think that. I don't have the necessary need for a tablet. I think the tablet PC, we are in the post-PC area, era, but I would much prefer a MacBook Air with a physical keyboard because I do a lot of typing. I, I still don't think the tablet's quite there yet when it comes to typing. Now, I don't know how the WebOS handles typing. I'm sure it's good. I mean, when you look at the Apple tablets versus any other tablets you have to consider the quality of the display and the precision of the display and that's one of the main reasons why your finger the greatest pointing device in the world seems to work so seamlessly yeah i think that's true um one thing i've heard about the new WebOS tablet is that it's sort of clunky feeling just like the pre was or that it's that the back is a little too shiny or... and so don't you think that the original ipad is a little clunky feeling but certainly after, uh, now I own an iPad 2, and I picked up an iPad 1, and I was like, wow, this is pretty clunky feeling. I mean, one of the main reasons the iPad succeeded was the ecosystem built around it. The device itself, yeah, it was a giant iPod Touch, and it could make phone calls if you had the apps for it. Essentially, the iPhone is that, too. It's an iPod Touch with a phone app yeah. in it, with the antennas, but just the phone app. So, you look at the webOS tablet that's come out, it probably doesn't have the best screen in the whole world yet. It probably doesn't have the most precise screen in the whole world. But they managed to keep it the same price. They managed to make it competitive. 
And they're luring a lot of developers in, like Facebook and, you know, the Angry Birds developers. They're on there, too. So. Do, you, do you think, I pondered this the other day, do you think that Facebook, I, I'd forgotten, I didn't understand what you were saying at first with uh, the Facebook being the first to develop for WebOS, but I realized you were talking about the tablets, which made sense, and I had read that. Do you think that Facebook did that because of iOS's new deep integration with Twitter? This, so sort of a, it's a spat? To yeah, the like a, huh, we're not going to develop for you first. It does seem provocative to look at the argument that way, but it goes back to media hype. I mean, you look at all of the Google Plus hype and how it's the competitor to Facebook. It's anything to excite people, drama, that always excites people. Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. Um I mean, I, and I have heard that Facebook has developed an app for the iPad. It's just not out yet. I mean, could be out sometime very soon. In fact, in the Facebook keynote, he said that they're going to be announcing a lot of stuff this year. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, we'll see. When I say he, I mean Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. I was surprising to see him. I, I didn't watch the keynote this year. I, I need to go back and when I've got some free time, like this weekend, hopefully. It was only five minutes long. Oh, you don't really? need that much free time. I, I guess that's true. I thought it was longer. So... We'll talk about that in the next episode. And uh, what else are we going to talk about? Um, next episode, we, we're going to talk a little bit about Apple's cash. I mean, as well as Microsoft and Google, the fact that all these companies are sitting on a huge amount of cash. And what are they doing with it? What are they doing with I it? I mean, we know what Microsoft's done with a little bit of it with, with the acquisition of Skype. But we'll, we'll get more into that next episode. And we touched on it a little bit there for a couple minutes. We're going to talk a little bit about iCloud, Cloud Drive, and Google Music. And the advantages, the disadvantages, where we think they're going, what's going to happen with them. That sounds good. So this was the weekly download podcast, episode one. Uh, very excited to show this to you guys and put it up on the web as soon as possible. Um, we're looking forward to making some more podcasts for you guys. And uh, if you have any comments or feedback, visit our website, weeklydownload.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks.